All right, wonderful. Here we go again, y'all. We're trying to be kind. Okay, so today we have a special guest, but first introductions. Hi, I'm Mahar, and if I were a skincare routine, I would be a diamond peel because I'm fabulous and far more common than you actually think. <laughs> Um, I'm Jared, and if <laughs> I'm Jared, and if I were a skincare routine, I would be like that one five-minute crafts video where they tell you to put a banana peel out in the sun and then rub it all over your face. Oh my God, Jared! I'm Fiona, and if I were a skincare routine, I would be a vampire facial, and that you should not search that on Google or on DeviantArt. And I'm pretty sure that's misremembering the name, but that thing where you inject platelet-rich blood into your face, which I think is medically dubious, but I think a Kardashian did it. So vaguely, vaguely seemed like something, you know, with something happening. Bye, Fiona's games. All right, special guest, introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Pam. If I was a skincare routine, I'd be the nine-step Korean skincare thing because I'm extra as fuck. (laughs) Yes. And we are Trying to Be Kind, a podcast about reading books academically, which posit themselves and position themselves as important bearers of RPG RPG theory. Actually, no, that's just really pretentious. We just wanted to, like, you know, talk about a particular book. which came out. And again, let's just do this because I am like unofficially the person who has some kind of semblance of order here. Um, That's not really true either. I mean, come on. I'm a scatterbrained as the best of them. Um, The book, the book is, we are now in chapter two of our ongoing series, looking at this particular book, Tabletop RPG Design in Theory and Practice at the Forge from 2001 through 2012, Designs and Discussions by William J. White, published by Palgrave Macmillan 2020. In our last episode, we looked at, well, you know, the history of RPGs, and now we're actually getting into Chapter 2, The Seasons of the Forge, A Structural History looking from what was the Forge, the growth of the Forge, identity politics, women at the Forge, people at the Forge. It's quite a lot. Let's begin. What did you think of this chapter, my friends? Um, That was a lot of data to conclude. Well, if I was to put it as scholarly as possible, it felt like a lot of data used to justify a particular point. But you know how, like, in scholarly works, you can very easily skew the data to make it look like that's what you're trying to say, regardless of what the actual reality is? That's the entire chapter for me. Oh, my God. You just went straight for it, Dan. Well, I, you know, it's, um, I I can't help it, I think, because uh, I did spend, I mean, we're all academics here. I didn't spend eight years of my life in an MA for nothing. So it's it's hard for me to ignore the fact that the I noticed like from introduction all the way to chapter two, there has been a prevalent theme of saying that there's something wrong or giving some form of criticism uh, espoused by somebody else other than the author, but then the author um, kind of downplaying it with words like maybe or perhaps, and I'm kind of like, so 
is this a is this actually a study or is this um is this a defense? That's that's what I got for the chapter, like summarizing it and my feelings so far. So, Fiona, Jared, what did you think? Because this, uh, <laughs> this, I remember feeling like, why? <laughs> <laughs> You're just laughing ruefully. <laughs> it's just it's hard to know where to start because, like, yes, a hundred percent. I'm like everything Pam said about this chapter. And I think that's, it's like vaguely true of the whole book, but it's especially concentrated in this chapter uh, because I think this chapter is also the place where the book addresses some really central and I would say incontrovertible, incontrovertible problems with the forge uh, most directly. You know what I mean? Like the, the demographic stuff, is not super attractive to talk about and the, the general toxicity and how that feeds into the demographic stuff is not super attractive to talk about. And so there's a lot of this may and perhaps, and maybe, and, but happening through the whole thing. Ah, It's just, it's so rough. It's almost like I, I keep using the word apologia here. It's, you know what I mean? Oh my god. So I'm gonna try to be kind, despite my lack of inclination to do so as a person in my deepest of hearts. Um, but I think what was hard for me with this chapter is that there's not a selection of sort of one method of really trying to analyze the forge and get like a very complete picture. There's a lot of like really scattershot snapshots, which just gives this kind of picture of like vagueness or maybe especially when there's a, this is you know a book on rhetorical studies to some degree there's so much rhetoric used to say that like well these people's self-report like doesn't quite line up or i've got this example of someone who stood up uh, for someone calling out like explicit racism so i don't know if i want to describe this space as having problems around race and you know like i'm aware of where my lane is and i'm not going to try to put like a huge amount on that but i think that there's a lot of this sort of it's difficult to talk about your friends it's difficult to talk about your friends critically it's difficult to admit that like Look, there were always undesirable people in RPG forums. Like, I came from the OSR. There's a lot of people I like a lot, but, like, there's also some people that I really cannot stand. And, like, right, it, it's not easy to criticize things, but this doesn't look at what average users are like. And also uses as a syndicate for a very large gaming scene one particularly toxic person and then also talks about how ron edwards is not a syndicate for the forge and it gets a bit muddled right like this feels like a muddled chapter because it feels like there's either a really strong criticism of geek culture in general around things like colorblindness which i think is a very tenable hypothesis and then how the rules and insularity of the forge might have affected that. But I don't think that that is the chapter that was in anyone's vision board for writing this. Yeah. I, I saw a lot of data that that there was a voluminous amount of data in there. So it strikes me that there were no clear conclusions, but there was a constant echo of defensiveness that, um, 
uh, I can't help but point out the fact that I, a female reader, was going through a good section of that chapter wondering what business a man with a PhD has telling me that the forge maybe possibly wasn't sexist, I guess. So that, that, was, uh, that was not fun. And that's just me speaking personally. I, I haven't even put on the discourse hat yet on how uh, that sort of taking that sort of position, especially since you've already attempted to rarify the forge by creating an academic text rather than a series of feature articles, then there, there are some serious underlying issues there that could even cross the area of, is this even ethical to do this? Uh, because I get that people need to make their bread and butter on, on, on writing books. But I think that if the purpose was to present a picture of the forge that, that suits you and your friends, then perhaps you should have written a series of feature articles instead of an entire book. That okay, was, let's, again... <laughs> let's get into this because this is a lot. <laughs> okay. <laughs> The, uh, this chapter starts off with saying, like, first, what was the forge? It talks about how it was a place in the mold of talking about uh, in the mold of talking about RPGs that were not D and D, and something else, or did the same thing in a different way. That's quoting from the first sentence of that. Um, it talks about how it is active from 2001 to 2012. I'm going to remind people here that the site itself had wanted to. It had a, it had a mission. It said it was going to close. Um, okay, and they talked about theory quite a bit. We covered this last week when they went through the GNS play styles. And uh, yeah, it basically just becomes its its own beast. Uh, to quote, as the big model was more or less codified, however, it also became less central to the discussions at the Forge, which turned more towards encouraging people to design and publish games, primarily by providing design feedback online and coordinating participation at the Forge booth where independent RPG creators could get shelf space for a chance to sell their games at Gen Com, an annual gaming convention started by Gary Gygax in 1968. Uh, Discussions about actual play, or AP, became more essential as well, as players, and particularly game masters or GMs, would seek to understand the dynamics that resulted in satisfying satisfying versus unsatisfying play. Eventually, the Forge's founders decided to make the decision to close the theory forums in the belief that the most productive conversations were grounded in actual play and real design problems rather than abstract theoretical talk. And I just read this first part and felt this is truly the legacy of the Forge in terms of discussing games. Um, The Forge has two identities, I think, and one I deeply admire the other one, I look with a large, uh, you know, rather jaundiced viewpoint. Um, the first one is we've 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 talked we've we've heaped praises on it. Whenever people talk about game design on how to make your game, how to get started, what to do to publish, how to get yourself out there, how to promote yourself, how to create a community of play, I admire the Forge for that. Right? We've all agreed on this. Like the anti-capitalist streak of the Forge, right? Like don't be a corporation you know, turn over the apple cart, all of that stuff, I feel, yes, huzzah. That's one face of the Forge, which we all agree on, is good. But when they start talking about actual play, talking about uh, saying that uh, the reflection of game design comes from 
the interaction of play and the dynamics that result in satisfying versus unsatisfying play. Okay, uh, not that I want to trigger anyone, but these kinds of discussions still go on now, even just a few weeks ago, on how we're supposed to design games. So much so that people say you shouldn't buy games if they didn't go through some kind of actual play testing into the design of the game. And I think that is very much a, for- a forged holdover and legacy, and that, that upended the design community for a while. Because people were rather upset that um, that we were, we were be, being told, like you know, this this way of how to do things, which not aren't necessarily accessible to all. Did I just get myself into trouble there? No, no, I um, <laughs> I, I just trying to be kind here, right? I'm trying to be as factual as possible and compassionate here. No, I I I find that to be. Right, like I think that's sort of this thing where, like, the Forge also had the tension of that conversation, right? Like, the Forge, like, very early in the chapter, there's the note of like, you know, you had to be designing a game to have theory conversations, so a lot of people used hypotheticals, and it's like, okay, so like, what really comes out is some people want to ask theory questions, and some people want to ask theory questions, you know, kind of in abstraction and talk to each other. But, like, we need this pretense of talking about, like, a game I'm making to talk about a mechanic rather than, like, this is in itself a useful conversation. And, you know, I think that that maybe runs into also the problem of, like, actual play isn't really a defined thing. And as this chapter even points out, like, the Forge was trying to read and report on play to also reinforce the theory and design. And to some degree, perhaps that was like a self-fulfilling prophecy in that, like once you accepted the GNS sort of like bargain, you, everything looks like GNS. And once you make it so that Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. lack of orthodoxy means that you have to fight an uphill battle you exclude people by that and then if you look at it already just starting as a space that's not very diverse not because of evil intentions right but because like even now i'd say a plurality of yeah people in games are white men you know like it's not like i deny they exist that would be stupid um but like you know the forge had a lot of them and it maybe reinforced how some conversations were badly timed, like talking about feminism via the vehicle of Buffy written by Joss Whedon, who in the defense of that person was not outed as a predator at that time. <laughs> oh my God. Which I mean, mm. I mean like this. The, yeah, exactly. Like this book tries to give itself this whole notion of objectivity, especially in this first part. Well, I think again, trying to be kind, it makes an effort in providing data of how the forge would work, and it actually tries to provide this in a quantifiable way. Um, it continues on to talk about like the growth and the posting habits and the topic ha- and the topics of posting on charts. Like it actually goes through threads. It for a while felt rather, con- um, you know, structuralist. It actually went into counting the instances yep. of discussion. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So yeah. okay, fine. I can. I can uh, understand that somewhat. What I don't like later on is when they talk about the 
culture of the forge without actually looking at the um, the implications of the forge thereof. And this is why. Um, this book began itself by saying people are forgetting the forge. Right? But nowhere in this chapter do I see how existing practices can be traced to forge theory and to forge culture. And so I'm kind of like, well, either A, your thesis is incorrect, which is people haven't forgot the forge. People haven't forgotten the forge. The forge is mutated. Or um, the other the other opposite end of that, which is, uh, excuse me, the, it's like, ex- why are you not, uh, you know, if the Forge is so great, why can't you link existing practice to that right now? Um, and really, like, it should be done, I think. I think that's intellectual, I think that's an intellectual demand, right? It seems yes. like the strongest way to prove that the Forge is something we shouldn't forget, right? Exactly. <laughs> it seems like you're the first step for that kind of argument. You know, but to read this book, it seemed... Oh, okay, go for it, Pam. Yeah, that'd be fine if, again, your position was to present a historical artifact. But if your position is to present it as some kind of... If your, if your thesis is to say, and I'm trying to be very kind here, that the Forge did something amazing in this space in terms of theory, because I won't, I won't argue the fact that the Forge was a community uh, or a and or a space and both have uh, intrinsic value, right? But if you're talking that we have to not forget the Forge because it did so much, as you say, for, for game theory, I'm, I'm not seeing it uh, in, in your data. In fact, I was going to comment earlier that given that he was studying a digital space, and this is me again putting on the, the MA hat, there are literal digital studies uh, frameworks that could have been used for this, versus the the, I, the the frameworks, the theoretical frameworks that he was using in the book. I did not see any actual use of digital theory to discuss things like lurking. That was that that felt a bit outdated, actually, for for the paragraph. Um, then even the the definition of flame war also felt very. I am going to explain this to people who are very very old rather than people who are actually in these, the, the field of specialization. So there are, there are a lot of things in the chapter that just don't add up to, to explaining why we should consider forage theory important. Uh, I feel a lot of, of towing towards the... It, it's, like, it's like he's sending a lot of data at you going like, hey, yeah, yeah, it's important, right? Right? It, it's, that's the constant... Isn't it like, oh, look, I have a chart, ergo, the place was legit. And I, and I, yes. don't, I don't think that's the intention. Yes. But yes. that's kind of how I'm receiving it now because I'm just kind of like, and like, okay, but how did all of, how does all, if it's, if we're putting on the historical analysis hat, the reason why history is important is we need to feel it's a resonance into the present, right? Mm-hmm. So where is this resonance coming from? And it's, it's it's not it's not there. It's just <clears throat> anyway. I'm trying to be kind, and I find myself getting very annoyed. <laughs> it seems like the the sort of things we've pointed at thus far have both been, uh, to one degree or another, kind of a tension between what's presented, specifically 
the data and interviews and everything else and sort of the, and the, the thoroughness of that. And then the sort of lackluster quality of any sort of conclusion. Right. So you get, you get like, for instance, the, what is it? Women at the forge section um, has all of these quotes, like long block quotes from, from Ron and from Matzah that are, that are saying like basically apologizing, like I shouldn't say apologizing, like giving excuses for why women were not more present at the forge or explaining it away. And then the chapter never quite gets to the point where it says, but that was bad. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it never wraps it up. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm laughing because I'm trying again, very hard to be kind about that because again, if you're going like I I'm going to the way that I'm trying to be kind for, for this episode and any other episode that I'm on is I'm just going to focus on the, the discursive practices that I'm seeing in the, in the book and how for better or for worse, uh, or maybe because outside of the author's intention or so, uh, it didn't quite pan out the way that you wanted to. Like, I'm, I'm so grateful that Jared mentioned the whole blocks of text, right? And uh, there was even a part of where they, they talked about how two women were saying, yeah, you can feel that you were being excluded, et cetera, et cetera. And now it, it, there is a discursive practice, right? Where you could just say, okay, boom, there's a source text that's the primary source. So it, it makes the point for itself. Right. But that wasn't quite there in, in the chapter for both uh, the section on women and the section on, on BIMPOC designers. Like I didn't feel the oomph. I didn't see the, the admission that it was indeed a critical problem. And I think if I'm to summarize more of my issues with the chapter in the book as a whole, that that covers it. You're not admitting to the you're not admitting to any kind of criticism here you're presenting it more out of a formality so it becomes this feeling of oh maybe there's an issue but you see like it, yeah, it, it's it's very much yeah. i'm covering my butt okay can yes. i give an ex- can i give an example of this right yes please in the idea of a forage theory Nonetheless, one of the persistent tensions at the Forge was a desire on the part of the newcomers at the site for a clear and forthright statement of some kind of a Forge doctrine or Forge theory versus the reluctance of many Forge hands, um, moving on, to give them Do such a statement. you think they had a Forge hand Additionally, job? I'm so sorry. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> you just couldn't stop yourself. Okay. I, can't, I can't. I'm trying moving to be Moving on. I've been quiet and not saying terrible things. Oh my god, I can, I can physically imagine Fiona sitting on her hands right now, trying desperately not to gesticulate into the wilderness. Um, here. Additionally, some role players felt as if the sort of play they valued or the work that they were doing was being dismissed or diminished in the conversations at the Forge. Although, this could sometimes be overcome. I'm like, look, speak about people's feelings getting invalidated and then invalidate them in the same sentence. For example, after being subjected to a series of gentle but probing questions, I don't think you're allowed to characterize how someone felt what questions were. About his role-playing experience from a frequent poster, Mike Holmes, a newly arrived original poster, OP, takes umbrage, saying, I find your posts aggressive and arrogant. If you can't be constructive in a non-superior fashion, then please do not post any more advice for us. The surprise responses of other posters seem to sewage the OP's hurt feelings, and the conversation continues, digging deeper into the design over the next few weeks, seemingly productive. 
Nonetheless, in some precincts of the internet, the forged gain a reputation for turgidity and pretension. And I'm like, um, that still happens now. I'm not going to name names, trying to be kind. But seriously, the number of times I get people from different corners saying, you sh- we already discussed that. And I'm like, from yep. eight years ago, eight e- seriously, I'm going to have yep. to find a forum from eight years ago, a forum that has 12 years worth of posts to find a And that exploded itself. Exactly. <laughs> I'm like, really? Can really? I also... Can I also point out the whole action of saying we discussed that already assume seems to assume a lot of things. One of it being that you were in the a capital T H E community, or rather they were in the capital T H E community and you were not, therefore catch up. There's that entire power dynamic that the this book seems to ignore. Uh, and I will call attention to the fact that Mahar and I are not from North America's tabletop scene. So what? why should this be relevant to us? I wanted to read the book because I wanted to see if there was something that could be learned from the book as somebody, again, I'm trying very hard to be kind, as somebody who's coming from outside of the sphere in 2020. And I'm I'm just not seeing it and like to cycle back to the whole idea of of being honest and nuanced in your scholarship where are the actual posts that show you the entire context that could have been very useful for other readers to also judge for themselves because that is a discursive act right you're taking a stand but you're also presenting the data as honestly as possible I didn't see those those posts that talk about the that that kind of highlight the issues that they were getting at. If maybe if I had seen the post, I'd be able to make more fair conclusions. So as Mahar put it, it's a lot of covering your butt, right? And uh, the fact that the the book refuses to acknowledge that uh, it there could be spaces outside of this demographic is is really I, I can't put it in a way. It's, it's rather problematic. Uh, so. I mean, let's look at this next question, right? Actually written in the book. How did the Forge respond to concerns about accessibility or charges of pretentiousness? Oh, yeah. Um, Okay. Certainly, some saw it as a problem. One Forge poster in its earliest days expressed a desire for less confrontational definitions of its terms. In order to avoid the implication that only one approach to play produced, quote, a proper story, which seemed to him to be a sticking point. More generally, poster Emily Kerr Boss recognized, in quotes, the fact that people get barraged with threads about a given topic, barraged, sorry, barraged with threads about a given topic, which they may not realize has been brought up many times before, doesn't that sound familiar, is being perceived as dismissive, even though that is actually how we incorporate people and their ideas into the discourse here. And I'm just kind of like... <sighs> It was already seen as a problem then. And that was when you had full access and possibly real-time responses to your question. Now, it's gotten worse, I think. People dismiss you to bring you to an eight-year-old dead forum. As if, I'm like, really? Uh, Yeah, like, what? What? I'm trying to be kind, but I'm also annoyed. So I'm trying to be kind to myself. Understandable. I mean, I think that's 
one of the things that kind of sticks with me with this book is that like right like in certain sorts of observation and reportage you're supposed to keep a certain clinical distance from the people you study it's why there's a difference between a sociologist and a participant observer sociologist to some degree right like there's a difference between recording the methods of a culture from within the culture and recording the culture from outside the culture. And this insider view yes, precisely, yeah, in some ways obscures some of the things that I think are most important about the forge, especially from like the standpoint of people yeah. who don't have anything to do with game design. Right. Like I think the, the DIY ethos, mm-hmm. the move towards like more, um, more experimental and more like of an urging towards like yes just go and try it like are things that i want to see celebrated and i wish that i learned more about the games that were produced about it than defenses of or by this method right than defenses of like some of the more like verbose or excessive proclamations of the site or whether or not the site is reducible to ron edwards because if it is or isn't reducible to Ron Edwards, Sorcerer is the game that he's given the most coverage in this book. And I am the least interested in learning about Sorcerer. Like, I don't like urban fantasy very much. I don't think that there's a Ron Edwards version of urban fantasy that's going to just change my direction. But like, you know, outside of Come Down Jordan, I think, which sounds experimental and also way outside my fucking lane to evaluate. But like, I think an analysis of that and an analysis of the discussion around it would have been a really powerful way of looking at, like, what does this forum do in motion rather than, like, what is the static form of this forum that I want to preserve? And I think that that is my, like, allotted amount of, like, pretentious hand-talking like a Deridian. Oh, wow. You just had to end the pretentious hand-talking by giving yourself the label. I mean, I'm making hand gestures. Like, yeah, I'll be honest. I'm being kind, right? Like, if the... someone wants to say Fiona is turgid, verbose, and pretentious, I'll be like, yes, it's on my business card, along with Professor of Black Magic and a delight to widows and young women. You know, like, there we go. I just love, stealing from I all the best it. Victorian cards. I, I just love I just love it. I just kind of like, you know, just. I just love how Fiona just comes in, just like just a little deacon, just a suit, just a little, just a little dash of deconstruction, and moving on. You know, just like <laughs> ah! okay, Pam. Now you understand why I have so much fun here. But here we go. It gets it gets it gets darker in a way because um, they they do concede that even communication in the forge regarding theory, there were efforts to make it more accessible. Um. And eventually, though, but increasingly, discussing the theory for its own sake came to be seen by the Forge's operators, i.e. Ron as global moderator, and first Clinton and then Vincent as technical administrators, as secondary to the real purpose of the Forge, which was to discuss game design and gameplay, or actual play, with an eye toward independent publication of games. And this is where I'm like, okay, independent publication of games. I'm like, again, that's something we've always wanted. That's always something that we felt like was in- was interesting. And even discussing game design and gameplay, I felt like, great. The problem, I think, here, and I think I see this with a number of people who came from the Forge, is when you discuss design and gameplay, and we're going to see this problem later on, games mean different things to different people. And if you don't discuss them, that is when the, prob- that is when the problematic elements come in. And that is why I find it extremely off 
for me when people say I've discussed this before, we've discussed this before, because it assumes that the meaning of a game has been is rendered sterile and stagnant and hasn't changed since the time the forge has been uh, established and closed. Uh, hello, everyone. It's Jared from the editing booth. Uh, we have lost Fiona's audio for the remainder of this episode, but there's a lot of really good discussion, so I've done my best to kind of cut it together into something sensible. But uh, if it seems a little disjointed, you'll know why. Sorry about that. Uh, but enjoy it. You know, Fiona, I gotta warn you, because we're now in that part of this chapter, gamer identity politics. Oof. It's just... So they mention Pundit. It's so interesting because, like, they have there's this section where they put in pundits bullshit about the forge. And then, yeah, the whole thing about swine, you know, like whatever. But then immediately the author, and this is authorial voice calls those things implausible and invidious. Those are, those are, that is a quote from the book. And I just can't, I keep going back to, Later on, he's going to quote Ron Edwards as saying, like, even if there were only 1% involvement from women in in the Forge, like, maybe that's good. We don't know. You know, like that whole doctrine. (laughs) And why is that not implausible and invidious? (laughs) Right? I mean, it became like a sense of, I guess, I don't want to use the word, but how do you put it like faction it's like factionalizing basically based on how you felt you should play games which i thought was rather unfair on both sides and i just can i just see like for example here's something where passive the use of passive versus active voice really drives me nuts because one invalidates in an effort to seem objective here uh, the OSR generated an, a community of play and publication arguably similar to the indie scene. Uh, but one person there, Brendan Davis, felt like um, he is OSR adjacent and he would have some interactions with the Forge. And he quotes, I met nice people there at the Forge, um, at the Forge mine. And I think I communicated once or twice with Ron Edwards, although he do- probably doesn't remember. And I found him a very personable and friendly individual. But Forge theory held very little value for him. It didn't seem to him to be more conducive to the, quote, sandbox and immersion point of view, quote, that he preferred. And his encounters with the more aggressive online advocates of Forge theory outside the Forge were sometimes unpleasant, he recalled Brendan Davis' phone interview. This seems to be fairly common. This seems to be fairly common. It only has the seeming appearance of it again like passive voice used to like it's alleged and i'm like wait a minute wait a minute why can't you have a chart if you can get all of these threads and you can have all of these interviews why can't you do the extra step of just mm. i don't know making a yeah i mean that that's that, that's authorial disavowal right like that's mm-hmm. what what this author should have said is from my view this is a common viewpoint like i have seen this a lot but what he says instead is, well, it's, you know, it seems pretty common yeah, because it, he doesn't want to own it, right? <laughs> own it. And, <laughs> and again, it doesn't reflect, and I, I'm sorry to say this, but Twitter is a hellscape. 
and it doesn't reflect that the forge and its and its culture unfortunately has mutated with with the hellscape that is twitter into sometimes being this this thing right like <laughs> it's like i think twitter is radioactive and things that are problematic become even worse because it's it just escalates so much faster and it's not it's not kept to these forums which are now mythical in in some people's heads i think and you know it's nice that you mentioned twitter because I, if i recall correctly in the chapter there is a part where they talk a lot about how posters in the forge were speaking in good faith etc 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 and i was like um the there's there's some serious issues with assuming that an entire forum is quote unquote speaking in good faith maybe possibly if i'm going to use the the parlance that the author uses in his book all the time right maybe possibly we're possibly potentially speaking in good faith perhaps right that's that's how it comes out and i just find it really really ironic how uh at least on twitter you have an anarchy of ideas here so is it can it be terrible oh absolutely but also i can generally post what i want whereas in in the forge it seems to be driving or rather the forge book seems to be driving to the idea that because they had a centralized thing it is therefore good faith because they're somehow bound by some social contract to post because they're found by like strong moderation and yeah, i'm and not that's, I, and, yeah and, yeah and that's another thing too like how strong is it because again you didn't give me the data to look at that you're only giving well, me pieces of a whole. Right? Well, they did so talk about actually... how they talked about how Ron Edwards had like thousands and thousands of like moderation posts. Yeah, but that's but, quantity. Yeah. That's not quality. Exactly. That's I mean, true. I'm... Exactly. Yeah. I can I can admin in Facebook group, right? Yeah. How good was the moderation? Was it was it just like, uh, hey guys, let's post today? Was that like twenty of your posts, a mm. hundred of your posts, two thousand? Mm. Because would that be good moderation? You could actually just, like, speaking as a community manager, you could post once and leave an impression, depending on what you say. You know, so, that, that, oh, that, that just, like, leads us to this whole notion of, like, um, okay, I'm sorry to say this, and I'm, gonna, I'm trying to be kind. I don't think this is intentional on that person's part. I would like to think hmm. so. But doesn't this remind you of existing old boys clubs in our context? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Hands down. We're, and Right. Uh, that that's also an uncomfortable uh, conclusion that I had. If okay, so let's talk like demographics here. They named a lot of designers that many of us are familiar with. They all came from that same space, which means that they all picked up each other's social norms and cues. And these people later spread to the rest of the community and took it upon themselves at times to mentor young designers or at least speak of their own opinions in a public forum or public space that other people got to read and be influenced by. So ergo, you've, you've passed down behaviors that we're still seeing uh, in your areas of influence. So by all of these, all of these trends, uncomfortable more often than not, can be traced back to that behavior on that forum, it seems. And I don't think that that was the author's intent to make me remember the forge that way. Uh, (laughs) 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 I'm not sure whether that was their intention because that's how I feel now that I, I'm looking at the way that, that the data was presented and I'm like, Oh, is that why tabletop has an unhealthy fixation with creating a good faith center that speaks about, discourse and 
GNS models and how to play test, is that why you all picked up the same playbook? And now we have to basically deal with the fact that this shadow has been cast upon a large swath of the community regarding oh. games. Okay, because this leads us to this. All of this adds force to the picture painted thus far of a social setting characterized by a strong but small center and a very broad periphery of participation. Beyond that, however, there were certainly people who, though desiring to participate, felt marginalized by the Forge. And I'm like, wow, finally a certainty. <laughs> and and um, what's more... What's more, um, I, I feel like this is a very telling statement. Beyond that, though, they felt marginalized. It never actually speaks to whether they were marginalized. Yeah, and, like, what the... And I'm like... <laughs> sorry, sorry, trigger warning, but people of color and women in particular are very familiar with this statement, which I call very white which is, I'm sorry you feel that way. <laughs> yeah. Oh this is yeah. going through my head right now. Like, it's mm. all in your head. The oppression the oppression was imagined. It's just a feeling. It's not reality. You've gaslit yourself into thinking that you're oppressed. I'm like, mmm. Mm. That, that, that statement is so, like, sorry, Dr. White, but that is a careless use of language. I'm sorry. And that is me being kind. Okay. Careless and uncritical, and that's also Un me being kind. <laughs> okay. All right. Welcome to the Forge in this section. <sighs> With a question mark. I know, right? Uh, let's read this part. Crystal White, no relation, had started a, a thread in 2004 at the Forge about the sociology of gender in the TRPG scene. And I was interested in what she recalled about the reception. The OP is a pressy or sketch of a scholarly argument clearly rooted in sociological or cultural anthropological thought that sought to trace reasons for the overrepresentation of men in role-playing gaming. I wonder why. Krista had suggested that there are barriers to entry to RPGs related to the nature of, quote, geek culture, which places, quote, high value on intelligence and depth of knowledge, particularly related to science fiction, fantasy, and, myth and mythology. So much is implied and confirmed by so-and-so theorists, as well as the historical contingencies related to the preponderance of men in social settings from which role-playing gaming got its start, specifically miniatures, wargaming, and the information technology industry. Here's the, here is where the big um, thing gets. So after all of these like supposed fields and the mythologized male nerd geek archetype, uh, so on, However, regardless of the cause, the imbalance of gender and racial representation in science, technology, engineering, and mathematics created persistent social concern. So in gaming, Krista had posted, the gender imbalance persists due to the way that the difficulties of being a woman in a misogynistic male-majority social space, as well as a, quote, strange Greek cultural norms involving knowledge display status games, discourage female participation. And... Some of the posters responding to Krista found the word misogyny at least a little strong. <laughs> and others objected to the stereotypical characterization of gamers as geeks, at least universally. For a... I'm like, what is happening here? He, then he goes on. He goes on to say, like, in short, there were supportive and skeptical posts. Supportive and skeptical posts with men and women in both camps. I'm like, hmm, this sounds like both sides' discourseism. I'm like, I'm not having that. 
Of those, he goes on to bring in numbers, like numbers are his friend. Of those posters who offered on-topic responses to the post, 15 were men and three were women. Nine of the men offered supportive of affirmative responses, while six offered critical or challenging ones, versus two supportive and one critical response from the women. These small numbers prevent any quantitative conclusions from being drawn, that even though there's a three-to-two ratio... In terms of support versus skepticism between men and two to one among women, the laws of probability suggest that such a ratio could easily emerge even if a man or women are not actually different in terms of the likelihood to offer support to Krista, not just by chance. It's also yeah. ridiculous that you just try to conclude that somehow the small percentage means that there's no problem. Like, how, how is that in any way quantitative or anything right i'm it's just, just i'm i'm appalled by that section oh here here's where we get here's where we get like ugh, women at the forge and uh, i think the last honestly this this episode is supposed our episodes have a rule they're supposed to be less than one hour long so we're definitely going to have pam back but let's 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 end on this delightful note right which is this women at the forge uh it's i'll skip over um first i'll skip over some parts but here some key sentences the presence of sexism and misogyny in gaming more generally is hard to deny and tabletop gaming is not immune despite the protestations of some of the posters in krista's thread here here this is the part where i'm gonna kind of this is where i give it to pam and fiona (laughs) <laughs> it was clearly the case that fewer women than men participated at the Forge, the reasons for which were generally seen at the Forge to be related to the gender composition of the hobby as a whole. And Ron's position was that, in the absence of any pattern of data suggesting that women were actively being driven away from the Forge, it was not something to be concerned about. Even if only 1% of the posts were by women, he wrote, it would still be no problem. We don't know whether 1% is good or if 99% is good, and especially whether an even perfect constant 50% is good. It comes down to this. I don't expect anyone to want to post to the Forge as often as, say, me or Mike Holmes. Since men, obviously, are exempt from some expectations on my part, why should I place the expectations on women to do so especially? (sighs) The extent to which the disproportionately male composition of the hobby was a product of the way that men participated was only occasionally acknowledged. And I'm just kind of like, again, I don't know whether 1% is good or 99% is good, but trying, trying to be kind. Oh my God. Like, like your white Dr. White is clearly male, right? He, him pronouns has all the biological trappings of it. Right. So if that's the case and you have no business telling me that, you have no business telling people with the biological trappings and or identity of a woman that uh, it's not a problem. That That is a basic critical failing already from the get-go. <laughs> I mean, I don't think, I don't think he, I honestly don't think, again, trying to be kind, I honestly don't think this writer is saying, um, oh yeah, that was a great way of doing things. But what he doesn't do is to actually go on and say this was a problematic statement. It is, yeah. again, their disavowal. Yeah, precisely. I, I think that's why I take like a lot of issue with it. He, didn't, he did not do the act of, of disavowal and of highlighting the, the critical flaws. Because that is absent, the entire thing, for me at least, becomes suspect. 
Yeah. Where he did very pointedly earlier, you know, with the, with the OSR situation, go out of his way to say, this is toxic and bad. Yeah. The absence of it here is really, really just like a huge gaping maw. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) You know, because that is just, I, it took my breath away reading that Ron quote. I'm just, no, I mean, to be fair, we are only looking at a couple of statements outside of the whole section. Sorry, within the whole section. But wow, friends, what a way to start that section. Yeah, man. <laughs> I like, <laughs> I'm like, oh my God. And, and and what's worse, it's this is just for women at the Forge. We're not even going yet to people of color at the Forge. And we're not even covering the intersection of that yet. Spoilers, it's not really covered, so... Yeah. I mean, it's like... <laughs> I mean, seriously. I'm laughing to try to be kind. Because if I, I wasn't uh, laughing, I'd, I'd be saying not so kindly. So. Okay, so, y'all, Pam and I used to be classmates over in university in literature class. And, or, and many a class would be defined by Pam and I stepping outside, looking at each other, and just losing our shit. Because what the fuck was that? <laughs> like, like, seriously, what did we just read? What did our what did our classmates just show us? They were almost always male, right, Pam? Mm-hmm. It was a comic class too, so you would see all of these women's bodies just being like, "Oh my fucking god!" And uh, I don't have to be kind about this one because this I can attest to the truth of this nature, and Pam can back me up. And uh, I am feeling things because this feels like the academic version of this, which is to, you know, to it's a it's a great way of basically like painting over the cracks. Mm-hmm. And I don't like it. Mm-hmm. I mean, and of course, Pam was socialized into just laughing, and because I was socialized <laughs> male, I can I can rant. And the unfairness is there again. I'm like, I, I well, I've I've broken my social coding. I'm laughing now as a favor to everybody else. Better <laughs> 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 that, that, that you hear me laughing and see me smiling than what I'm really thinking. <laughs> so. it's, it's it's just oh my god, this is just. So I, I'm just like frantically flipping through this section, trying to find some kind of conclusion. Something redeeming, something uh, something where where he just says, "Man, this sucks," you know, like something, and it's just, I just can't find it. I'm sorry. Later on in the section, he he mansplains stone policing. Oh God! Yeah. <laughs> you know, even the use of I think her name was Krista. Her the data around her was rather dishonest for me. The fact that he highlighted a section of her saying, "Well, you know, I was just busy." That that's kind of like, okay, so. so well, he's quoting her directly, right? Yeah, and then but the, the very use of that, see, that like that's my entire issue with like the the way that the data is presented. You're giving you're giving very specific, well timed direct quotes, while there is also mm-hmm. a constant disavowal of any kind of problematic statement. You combine those two, and it becomes I don't know, uh, possibly not the author's intent. I'm going to use your, that language there, possibly, maybe, right? Um, the the intent comes out dishonest to me. Mm. 
Selecting yeah. and deflecting, that's ideology. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's discourse, right? A set of yes and no statements by which you accept or reject the world and the one you want to present. Yep. Mm. Oh, my God. We were classmates well. in that class, too. We were classmates. <laughs> 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 um, hey, hey, thank you, Ron Darwin, wherever you are. Um, um, but yeah, like, okay. Uh, on that note, y'all, because we're at the hour mark. Um, what before we continue on this topic next week because it, it exploded into something like oh my god what do you hope to read about this in the future like what are we hoping for not necessarily what we know is coming but what are we hoping for <laughs> I'm hoping that I won't have to laugh so much on the podcast mm. <laughs> laughter is suspect y'all <laughs> Laughter is suspect. <laughs> well, I think Fiona's might cut out, so we're 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 on our own. Um, she's here with us in spirit. Um, I'm. I hope. I, I hope that Mr. White takes, like, make a one value judgment. You know what Dr. I mean? White. Just like Doc, it's just, Dr. White. Excuse right? me. Thank you, Doctor White. Just I just want one value judgment. One strong claim. <laughs> Instead of like constant back and forth, just one value judgment that's not leveled at the OSR. How's that? <laughs> exactly. Yes. yes, that yes. would be great. You know, like the OSR is actually full of really, really cool people. It's just popularized by a number of problematic ones. And oh yeah, um, there's there's shitty people in there. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, but the thing is, the choice of say people who are in the forge to highlight certain numbers. And here's the other thing. He makes he makes um, he makes uh, glowing recommendations. He talks about people like Mike Merles in the earlier chapters, mm. but Merles is the person who brought the OSR into D and D five e, and he doesn't bring mm. it. Mm. I mean, if you want to talk about like papering over cracks, yeah, mm, like mm. come on, come on. And it just it just reifies the like OSR forge divide that was has always been ridiculous and basically false, you know? Yeah, because I don't know. It's just yeah. so silly. It just it's it's really just silly. It's whether I like my games to resemble D D or not. At the end of the, that's the real divide at the end of the day. And because yeah. the forge goes on to say that D D is a badly done game or or, or whatever, the OSR is there for shit. And I'm, because they like they're they're centered around D and D and permutations. Mm. Okay, on um, on that glorious note, I think you have a lot to edit, Jared. <laughs> I think, I think, I'll make I think, it work. I think this chapter uh, is going to get us into trouble, and for that, we know that we're doing our job well. So, on that note, we're trying to be kind. 